0: Hello and welcome to the Glantuary Podcast, where we talk about the experiential outdoor hospitality industry. I'm your host, Bobby Marsden. We have a fun episode lined up for you, and we're excited for you to meet our guest. Her name is Gina Marcel, and she runs Mountain Goat Lodge with her husband, Darcy, and that lodge is located near Salida, Colorado. On the lodge, they have goats, they have chickens, they make cheese, they have glamping. And as a guest of The Lodge, you can actually take classes to learn how to make cheese, how to raise goats, how to raise chickens. We'll talk about all of that and more in the episode. So without further ado, let's dive in. Hi, Gina. Welcome to Glam Shred Podcast.
1: Hi, Bobby. Good to see you.
0: It's good to see you. It's been a minute since our our visit, and I know you uh, just got back from a vacation, probably a well-deserved one. Where'd you go?
1: Oh, we went all over Europe. It was was wonderful, but exhausting. Uh, We went from Holland to Germany, to Austria, to Hungary, and uh, took a river cruise, amongst other things. Uh, Thankfully, there was enough water for the ship, we were a little worried about that and we had a great time but it's really it's really nice to be home and just uh taking care of business
0: yeah well you're very good at taking care of business we we enjoyed our stay when we were there over the weekend we're looking forward to another one um and i'm glad to hear that you took some time for yourself to take a vacation i know that you can get you know really caught up in running a business like you and your husband darcy do uh, that would lead me to my first question because in our conversations when we visited you, uh, you had told us that one of the motivations for you moving to Colorado was your goats. And we've we've <laughs> we've been talking to a lot of different glampshire owners, and you know everyone has their own unique story of what brought them to Colorado. Some people had been born and raised here and they wanted to come back. Uh, some people visited and fell in love with it, but your goats told you that it was time to move from Washington. So I'd love for you to expand on that a bit. Uh, Tell us how you got started uh, with with animal care and then how that eventually led to your journey to Colorado.
1: Oh boy, that's a a long story. I'll try to keep it brief. So (laughs) I was doing goats up in Washington state. I had a goat rescue farm and fell in love with the, the creatures. They're just amazing but realized pretty much that they were not going to be happy in that climate. It's not a good climate for goats. It's too wet, too cold. Um, They're not really used to that weather and it it gives them a lot of health issues like hoof rot and parasites. So um, a friend of mine who was from Colorado had been talking Colorado up to me for years and just telling me how wonderful it was. It really wasn't anything I'd ever, you know, heard of except for my friend. And so I started looking around for a place to move myself, my husband, and our goats somewhere that they would be healthier because goats originated from the Middle East. Goats need to have more of a high desert climate atmosphere to be healthy. So uh, long story short, started looking for a business to buy and a place where my goats could could have some space and i found the mountain goat lodge of course it wasn't called that then um but it was a existing business for sale and that was 12 years ago so we moved we brought the goats and the dogs cats chickens everything with us and they've been quite happy and healthy ever since
0: well, that's wonderful. And, and I, it, it warms my heart to know that you are listening to your animals and, and what they were telling you, um, at least during our visit, they seemed very happy and they made us very happy hanging out with them. Moving across the country is never easy um, and finding a business uh, to jump into is even more difficult. Uh, what was the process like when you started looking for uh, a business and an opportunity to expand the business that you were already kind of doing?
1: Well, I wasn't self-employed at the time. I worked for a dairy up in uh, up in Seattle. And I was tired of working for the man, as, as we like to say. Um, so I decided I want to try to find something that I could run myself. And I wasn't really married to the idea of a bed and breakfast or I wasn't sure. I was looking at everything from no kidding, from a gas station to a small restaurant to a small hotel, to an RV park. And they have these wonderful business websites where you can look for businesses for sale. So while I was supposed to be working you know, at my job, I would be cruising the internet as we do sometimes and looking for businesses to buy. Um, What caught my eye was the idea of having a small boutique hotel or bed and breakfast because I thought if I move somewhere far away from friends and family, they're never going to want to visit. But if I have a place for them to stay and a place that's very fun and touristy, then, you know, that's taking away their excuse. Now they can come visit. So that's kind of what led me into the idea of having a a bed and breakfast or an inn. And so we, we found this place for sale. It was called something else. It wasn't the same at all. They didn't have the animals and all of the the stuff that we have now, but, um, it was, it was a good beginning. And so we arranged to buy it and we moved here and I really didn't, I didn't really know what I was doing at all, but I knew that I had enough confidence to figure it out. So, um, you know, that's how it started. And, and we've just been Building upon that, every year we add—not every year, but you know, throughout the years we've added like the glamping and uh, other activities and other accommodations. But originally, it was just this house here.
0: Well, that's that's great that you were able to land something because I think for most people, you know, trying to find that that special place is is probably one of the more difficult things. And taking over your business, I think, was probably a great way to ease into it because you didn't have to start from scratch. But you mentioned the building aspect. Um, what was the motivation to expand into glamping, for instance, um, even you know, with that being <laughs> a, a pretty unknown thing?
1: Well, at the time, um, I thought it would be cool to have, like, tiny houses, you know. So that was kind of my original thought, um, not knowing really anything about, that works. Um, Somehow I got switched over to having trailers or campers because you don't need a permit. So that was kind of the idea about that. And when I saw these uh, little retro campers for sale, I thought they were just so cute. And they had everything included, like the air conditioning and the kitchen and the bathroom. And I thought, this is fabulous. You don't need to have, you know, all the the stuff that's involved in building from scratch like building cabins or building tiny houses although i was very clueless about what it did need to have as my husband will complain to anyone that will listen um i picked him up at the airport and he was at the time was working offshore and um, i picked him up i said oh by the way i bought five trailers while you were gone And I'm going to rent them out. As a matter of fact, I have them already rented out at the end of the month. And he says, what? What were you you going to do about electricity for them? And I said, oh, the salesman told me they're all self-contained. And he goes, yeah, but you got to have something, you know, hookups. And he says, what were you going to do about water? I go, oh, they have tanks in them. They're all self-contained. He goes, well, what are you going how are you going to fill up the water? How are you going to dump the sewage? I go, I don't know. I didn't think about that. You know, so <laughs> that started off this huge conversation. I've always been an idea person. And what I mean by that is the big idea, but not the small details. I leave that for him. So I think he's still mad about that. Eight years later, he's still <laughs> mad because he came home for his six week rotation and ended up having to dig sewage and water lines and put electrical in. And we had to add a new septic tank. So it's not as easy as the salespeople at the um, the camping store makes you believe. You know, like he just said, oh, yeah, you can just put them on your land and rent them out. And I fell <laughs> for that. So um, now I realize, yeah, I should have been a little bit more. I should have done more research, but. It worked out.
0: Well, you mentioned you, you believe in yourself and have the confidence that you're going to figure it out. And so I would, I would think that that kind of probably fell into that folder.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it did. And it's, it's always been my MO all my life. Is I've always figured I'll, I'll make it work somehow. And if it doesn't, then I'll just change directions, you know. So on that note, back in 2014, I bought four campers. We hooked them up, as you know that that cup looks familiar and then i um bought an old old trailer that needed renovating from the 50s and that sat at the back of our property for several years because we just simply didn't have the time or the help to renovate it so about three or four years after we got it we finally renovated it and that and that is our magnolia trailer that we ran out also um and then at the same time um we were as a joke we had a teepee the teepee was falling apart um it was already here when we bought the place and i was getting uh flack from airbnb about my prices they're saying oh you know you should lower your prices everybody else's are cheaper so just for fun i put just to change their algorithm, I put my teepee on Airbnb for 20 bucks, you know, a night. I mean, there was nothing in it. It was just a teepee on the ground. And sure enough, I started getting people that wanted to stay in the teepee. So that $20, you know, was, was okay, but then we had to provide, you know, a restroom and all of that. So we got an outhouse and then we raised the price to cover the outhouse. And then that led to building a deck and putting the teepee on the deck. And then the teepee fell apart, so we bought new teepees and then we bought a second teepee. And so it's been evolved all these uh, past, probably six or seven years, the teepee has become much more glamorous now. We finally built a separate bathhouse for the teepees, which has the hot shower and all of the the bathroom uh, for the teepee guests we obviously we got rid of the outhouse um we added queen-size beds to the teepees they have wi-fi now um they have access to our farm and our hot tub and all of that so now of course it's way more than 20 dollars a night but the teepees have actually been probably our most popular unit that we have and we're actually thinking of putting up a third one as well
0: That's great. And I think that sounds like it's a lot of fun to just continue to keep building, expanding, trying things out, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't. It keeps things interesting.
1: It does. It does. And I'm always thinking, how can I upgrade? How can I make this experience better for the customer? And that's where kind of my husband and I work as a team. Um, He's he's the maintenance dude, you know, so he's always like telling me, no, I, I can't do that. And I go, well, yeah, but if you were a guest like yesterday, we took the teepees down for the winter because we always take them down for the weather. And he was grumbling about the beds. And he said, what am I supposed to do with these beds? Now I have to store them. And I said, well, they're great. Everyone loves the beds. They're comfortable. And he goes, I didn't see anything wrong with the cots. I go, well, you know, that's your opinion. People like the beds more than, I said, would you like to sleep in an army cot? So um, we got rid of the cots in favor of the queen-size beds. People love it. So I'm always looking at what's what's the customer going to really like, you know. And if I travel, I take other ideas from other places, you know, and I happily use other people's ideas. So it's just a little game that my husband and I play where I'm always pushing to add more amenities, and he's always like, oh, I think it's fine the way it is. I go, well, (laughs) you know. You have your job, I
0: have mine, so. <laughs> Speaking of that, and, and what I noticed when I was there is you guys have a an awesome chemistry. Um, I know that you, jo- you joke and you jest about, <laughs> about some of the, <laughs> the squabbles that you may have, and I think that with a marriage, you know, that's that's going to be, that should be part of a marriage. It's how you improve things. But talk about the working relationship with your husband running this business, um, because it sounds like you both had your own careers, Uh, before you moved to Colorado, and then you obviously decided to jointly run this business. Uh, What's that been like?
1: Um, Challenging, to be honest. Um, It's wonderful because I can tell you that the way it used to be, when he was working offshore as a merchant marine, There would be so many times where I would do something or something would happen. I had a funny experience with a guest or with a goat or something. And I I wouldn't be able to tell him about it because he was offshore. I couldn't get a hold of him. So there's all these things that would happen. And finally, when he would call home and I would say, oh, Ruth broke her leg. That's a goat. Ruth broke her leg. Well, he didn't even know who Ruth was, you know, so there was this disconnect between what I was going through and what he was going through. And pretty much after a while, I just didn't even tell him stuff because he didn't, there was nothing he could relate to. Whereas now he quit uh, doing that job about four or five years ago and now he's here full time. Now, He's the one that comes in from the barn and says, Hey, there's something wrong with Abigail, you know, one of my goats. Um, he's way up to date on who's who, which animal's doing what. Um, we can both laugh at the funny guest that, that, you know, makes us laugh or something. And so we were able to share all of those moments, those little idiosyncrasies that happen when you're running a business, especially in the service industry. And so, it's in a way, it's brought us together in, in a nice way. Do we still have squabbles? Of course we do. Um, again, we're both type A people. We're both really alpha people. I have my strong customer service beliefs that I think, you know, should be everything should be just so. And he's more kind of chill. He's got that sort of mellow, like, oh, it's fine the way it is. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's dirty. We need to do this. We need to fix this. We need to upgrade this. You know, so we have those little uh, squabbles, but we both want—we both want it to succeed.
0: You know. Yeah, and one thing I noticed that was succeeding were the breakfasts uh, that you both <laughs> prepared together. So that's obviously one thing <laughs> that, that it seems like you have I mean, a very good re- working relationship in the kitchen. And I feel if you can make it work in the kitchen, you can make it work anywhere.
1: What you saw was. Um, after several years of, you know, timing and orchestrating and working together, it didn't happen that way all at once. But I'm glad that it looks good now, because in the beginning, it didn't always <laughs> look that way. Um, yeah, and I basically taught him how to, to do some of the cooking and, and all that. So, um, but he, he definitely says he's the sous chef and I'm the chef, so it works out.
0: Well, hey, you have to have your packing order in the kitchen, just like everywhere else.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> and then you offer classes, which I think is really wonderful for the guests to have an opportunity to not only come and enjoy nature, but to learn something. And and we uh, took your chicken class, which you very much enjoyed. We uh, weren't able to take the goat class, but we're looking forward to that. Um, What was kind of the motivation for you behind wanting to do that? Was that always in the plan or was it something that you just decided, you know, I'd like to take this on and educate some people?
1: I think it just sort of evolved over time with a lot of questions from people. Um, I knew when I got here that I was going to do cheese making and I wasn't sure about the classes. I knew I was going to make cheese because that's a definite, you know, outcome of having dairy goats. Um, I don't remember exactly how it came about, but uh, I do know that I always wanted this whole place to be kind of a showcase for goats. And so part of that would be teaching people how to raise goats. Uh, we do sell our baby goats. Also uh, showing people how to make cheese and, and whatnot with the goat milk. That's, that's a real natural byproduct of having dairy goats. The chickens, that came along a little later, and I thought, you know, I made all the mistakes when I first got chickens, when I first got goats. I made so many mistakes. I wish that I'd have had a class that I could have taken. It would have saved numerous lives. I'm not kidding. I've, I've lost so many goats and chickens uh, due to ignorance, you know? So um, that was definitely my motivation for teaching people and I think I just have such a passion for these animals that it makes me a good teacher. But I also don't want people to make those mistakes that I made when I first got into. I got into goats about 17 years ago and really didn't know anything. So, um, so yeah, the whole idea was just to um, share my passion for specifically the goats. And then I also really do like the poultry.
0: Yeah. We, we really enjoyed everything that we took away from it. And, you know, we've talked about opening up our own glantuary. And of course we fantasize about having chickens and goats and cows and horses. And then you start to actually question, like, that's a lot to take on. Like, am I going to actually be capable of, of handling all that? And also wherever we go, are we allowed to have these things? And That would lead to another question. As you expand your business and you brought the goats over, added the chickens, a variety of different clamping options, how has the city and county been to work with? Have you had to work to change ordinances? Have you had to try an idea and find out, oh, that's not going to work? Like, how's that? process been for you as you've added things over the years?
1: Actually, I've been so lucky, Bobby. Um, Our county is extremely generous to work with. Um, If you are a farmer or agricultural producer, they're very nice. Um, They actually have very few restrictions. And a lot of people do use animals to get an egg. um, What's it called? Exemption for taxes. So they'll put some animals on their land and then have a reduction in their in their property taxes. So, of course, I have that as well. And they were very simple to work with. Um, we are in the county, so we're not in the city. I know that it would be a totally different ballgame if we were in the city. I know our little city does not allow chickens or goats, you know, that type of thing. And I always tell people when they're going to adopt goats or start raising goats or chickens to check with your municipality first to make sure that you can do it. Um, I know people still do have chickens, um, even though they're not supposed to sometimes. And I always tell people that if you want to do that, just make friends with your neighbors and give them eggs and stuff, you know, usually they're not going to report you unless you become a nuisance. So, but no, ours, ours, um, Our county is really favorable. One thing I noticed, which was really amazing, was we put up a barn. And I called up the county years ago and I said, how do I apply for a permit for the barn? And he goes, oh, it's for uh, farming. You don't need a permit for a barn. And I was blown away. Just couldn't believe it. Coming from a state that was very regulated to Colorado. woohoo! You know, it's just. I don't know if they've changed since then, but back when we put up the barn, it's been about 11 years, um, we didn't need a permit. So that was nice.
0: That's cool. And one part of the business, obviously, is expansion and coming up with ideas of things to do on the property. And then another part is marketing. And so as you've kind of progressed through opening this business and operating it and working to grow it, what kinds of things have you noticed that have worked for you as you've marketed and what kinds of things have you tried that maybe didn't work out as planned?
1: Well, like any new business owner, you kind of throw a lot of stuff at the wall and see what sticks, right? So I made some big mistakes in the beginning. Um, I did some, this sounds so antiquated, but I did some actual print ads. Um, you know, I got talked into putting ads in magazines and directories and phone books. All that was a waste of money. Um, I also wasted money on, I remember this, I got talked into this, um, I'm very easily talked into things. But, uh, <laughs> this guy had this phishing website and he sold me this really expensive ad on this phishing website that was supposed to bring me all kinds of business. I didn't get one person from that. Um, but what what I do use is um, a lot of word of mouth. We have a lot of repeat business. We have good reviews um, and good reputation online. You know, the big major directories like uh, Google and TripAdvisor. And then we use uh, for glamping, we've used uh, the Glamping Hub. Um, we're starting to work more and more with them because they've integrated into our software for our booking calendar. And then HipCamp is good for glamping. And then, oh, of course, Airbnb. Um, so a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But I, I learned my lesson. Don't, don't do the print ads. That's uh, very, very wasteful. So, <laughs> yeah, you, know, you just learn trial and error so and having a good website is is really important and i probably would be um getting more business if i spent a little more energy on social media but right now i just don't have the it's not that i don't have the time i'm I'm just not really interested in doing social media i'd much rather be out working with my animals and and doing hands-on things like that and so right now we're Uh, We're not trying to expand anymore. We're not trying to add uh, maybe a third teepee. But other than that, what we're doing now is maintaining and upgrading. So in the lodge, we just replaced our drapes um, and all all of our pillows on the beds. And then in the trailers, we're going to be doing a lot of uh, maintenance. We're going to replace the floors and just do a lot of cosmetic stuff to because they, they kind of get um, they get worn out pretty quick. So there's a lot of upkeep. Yeah. So that's what we're doing this, this yeah. year.
0: It sounds like you're doing a lot. And it sounds like you do do a lot. Um, when you're deciding not to work, when it's time for some fun, uh, <laughs> what, what do you like to do? What do your husband like to do when you're not upgrading, replacing pillows, replacing floorboards, putting in septic tanks, taking care of goats? <laughs>
1: Well, um, and not and not going to Europe, uh, actually what our favorite activity is in Colorado is we like to go to hot springs. And so on our bucket list is we are trying to make it to every single, there's about 30 hot springs, uh, public hot springs in, in uh, Colorado. So that's on our bucket list is to cross each one off of our list. And so when we do get away, which is every couple of months, we'll take a night or two off we'll go to a hot springs
0: relaxing fun rejuvenating uh even even healthy
1: yeah supposedly we actually went to some hot springs in europe also for the, the mineral water you know <laughs> but i like the ones right here i mean we have five of them within an hour from our house so it's really nice Yeah. So yeah, and then in the summertime we like to, um, we don't get a chance to do it very often, but we like to kayak and I like to hike.
0: Well, there's lots of great hiking in Colorado, that's for sure. Well, we're certainly excited to to come back and see all the improvements and take the classes that we missed. Uh, So we're definitely looking forward to our next visit.
1: Sounds good, I can't wait to have you.
0: Well, I like to end every interview with a set of questions. Um, these were invented by a gentleman named Bernard Pivo. Um, but if you're up for it, I'd love to go through them with you. And I you, hope you, 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 a, your interest is peaked.
1: I hope it's not a test.
0: <laughs> not, not a test at that, all. I
1: hope it's not an IQ test. Okay. Go
0: ahead. All right. First question. What is your favorite word?
1: Accoutrement.
0: That's impressive. I just
1: love it. I love the way it sounds. And I, I love what it means. It's just, I don't know. It's it's fun.
0: <laughs> I love it. What is your least favorite word?
1: Hmm. I don't know. That's a very good one. Um, complaints. 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 <sighs> <laughs>
0: this could lead into the next question what turns you on creatively spiritually or emotionally
1: learning new things just always learning um i got like yesterday i finally trying to learn how to use my new sewing machine i had to sew a uh, a hole that was in my one of our teepees and so i went on youtube and just went nuts trying to figure out how to make it work right. And I got it to work right. So I'm happy. But yeah, learning new things is always what turns me on.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. That's why you offer your classes. I I can tell you get enjoyment out of teaching them. What turns you off?
1: Mm, Small mindedness. People that uh, are afraid to look, you know, look outside their own little world. At the big picture.
0: Yeah. What is your favorite curse word?
1: Oh, that's a good one. I use way too many of them. I'm actually trying not to curse anymore. So I would have to say um, my mother taught me to curse uh, in a ladylike way. Like she would say things like, see if I can say it without messing up. I don't shive a git. So I'm trying, I'm trying to be more ladylike in my old age instead of uh, like my husband, the sailor.
0: <laughs> Maybe next time we'll run through the system questions with him and see what he says. <laughs> what sound or noise do you love?
1: I love the sound of my goats, the way they talk the little, the little noises they make, especially the babies. Yeah. I love the goat sounds. They, I can, I can do them all myself if I had to, but (laughs) they're just, they're so interesting.
0: Yeah, they are. What sound or noise do you hate?
1: Uh, Anything that squeaks like a squeaky hinge, a squeaky door, just I don't know, that just bugs me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm real big with my WD forty, so <laughs> I'll walk around and just and just spray hinges all day long, just to avoid that that squeaky noise.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with you there. What profession other than your own, what you're currently doing now, would you like to attempt?
1: Hmm. Probably uh, working in nonprofit for animals, uh, animal advocacy. I'm a big fan of Ingrid Newkirk from PETA and the work they've done that in the International Humane Society. So, you know, if I ever quit doing this, I'd probably spend my uh, rest of my days either volunteering or working for, for one of those those groups because they do such great work. As a matter of fact, um, a big, huge feather in their cap. Uh, the International Humane Society just got uh, involved and succeeded in getting rid of bullfighting in Mexico City last uh, this last summer. Oh, I didn't know that. And and I was a huge um, advocate. You know, for the bulls, and really excited to find out that you know this huge traditional cultural uh, activity is no longer. Thank goodness. So.
0: That must have been a big shift because that's been around for a long time.
1: It is. Um, however, if you if you do any reading about it or investigating about it, you'll know that mexicans in general are huge animal lovers and so it just there was a shift in the culture and the fact that the people just couldn't stand the abuse anymore you know of the animals so even though it was part of their culture um and a lot of people obviously still wanted it but the majority of the people um and the government shut it down so yay
0: yeah it's good to hear what profession would you not like to attempt?
1: Oh, uh, dentistry. Anything having to do with having to clean teeth and all of that. Ugh, I, couldn't, I couldn't handle that.
0: I'm not a fan of At sitting all. in a dentist chair, or I would not want to be the one standing over someone in a dentist chair. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, the smell, the noise, the drill um you know when they're drilling that it's like torture it's like torturing people (laughs) Yeah, and i yeah and and god bless those people that do it you know because somebody has to do it but i don't i could never do that at all
0: yeah yeah i don't look forward to my dentist appointments (laughs) final question okay if heaven exists what would you like to hear god say when you arrive at the pearly gates
1: Here's all your animals that have been waiting for you.
0: Yeah, I think the same thing over the Rainbow Bridge.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I can't wait to see them all again.
0: Well, Gina, I thank you so much for your time. Um, We really are looking forward to our next visit. Uh, We'll have to probably plan it for next summer. And we'll be sure to make the goat class our number one priority so we can really dive into that we had so much ta- fun spending time with them and hiking around your property And I got a chance to milk one I think I did pretty good I want to expand on that <laughs> we'll
1: put you to work no problem
0: Latina thank you so much tell Darcy I say hi
1: Darcy Bobby says hi, hi. <laughs> he's in the background <laughs> alright Thanks, Bobby
0: okay thank you it's very easy. much bye bye see you soon I hope you enjoyed that episode and the conversation I had with Gina as much as I had having it. Gina and Darcy are awesome. They run a fantastic operation near Salida, Colorado. And if you get the chance to stay at Mountain Goat Lodge, I'd highly recommend it. And if you'd like to book, you can do so directly on their website, which is www.mountaingoatlodge.com. That is com. And if you'd like to follow us on our podcast, you can do so on our website, which is www.glamptuary.com. That is www.glamptuary.com. Thanks again for joining, and we'll see you on the next episode. Safe travels.